good morning to you all. This is the live broadcast of your weekly recap of the news here with The Defiant. I'm Jeremy Nation, and joining me is... Owen Fernow. What's going on, everyone? Hope you guys had a good week. And we're here rocking it. The parents are out of town. Cami is in Europe. YYC is in Toronto. So you are stuck with us here today to give you a brief breakdown of the week's news. And we're gonna start with markets where we have seen some of the older DeFi tokens actually get some love from the market. We got Maker up 23.8% on the week, Chainlink up 14.4, they got a new CCIP release, and some other DeFi tokens, Synthetix is doing well, Compound's doing well as well as some other tokens like BIT, which recently uh, pivoted to becoming Mantle and L2. Jeremy, you have other takes on the market that we were seeing? And I mean, we had some great news in terms of the market sentiment last week with the ruling on Ripple. I think that we've seen uh, some healthy consolidation uh, in the marketplace rather than some pump and dump activity, which would, I think, indicate that markets may be maturing uh, in the wake of what we've seen as a long bear market coming into the latter half of this quarter. Uh, now, by the end of this year, we may see this sustained and perhaps some of these, um, you know, more positive shocks, such as additional rulings from regulatory bodies uh, that are having lawsuits go through and, and other types of things like, uh, you know, central banks taking a look at some of these things. I think that there are a lot of different positive shocks that may yet hold for the market. I'm very optimistic, actually, about it. Yep, we will see where everything is going there. Obviously, there are macro experts out there who could tell us a lot more than we can say. But yes, we are looking at least uh, on a bit more solid footing than we than we were, I would say, three to six months ago. Certainly, and uh, you know, hopefully, those conditions will persist. Uh, you know, I've seen a lot of uh, different stable coins kind of being looked at by different protocols. So, you know, in terms of DeFi having a little bit more stability in the marketplace, uh, be a good thing. Right on. All right, let's get into it. So to start off, we're just going to break down some of the stories that we worked on this week. We had, I spent a fair amount of time working on a regulatory story, trying to dig into what it means, what the Ripple ruling means, which rocked us last week. And that was very interesting, very talking to a lot of people about getting into the weeds about what what a security is and it gets very messy as we all maybe can intuit so that's what i spent a lot of the week on but also we had some interesting releases like utopia labs which enabled withdrawals direct to u.s bank accounts from businesses uh, including american businesses and kind of an amazing thing in that Typically, the user flow is withdrawing to some kind of centralized exchange and then moving to a bank account if the centralized exchange likes you. And I mean, that, I'm being a bit facetious there, but they're, they basically took out that that middleman, which I, th- I think a lot of people were excited about. And I would talk to the founder and he said people did funny things like they have to, you know, you're trying to control these assets as an organization and then 
but then to withdraw, you need to, you, someone needs to withdraw to like an individual Coinbase account and then to some bank account. And obviously that's a huge, there's a huge point of trust there. If you know the bank account is company controlled and the assets on chain are company controlled, but you have to go through a centralized exchange, it doesn't really work very well in terms of, you have that whole intermediate stage where someone can supposedly take the money and run and crypto being what it is about minimizing points of centralization. Uh, it's, it's beneficial to cut that out. So kind of a simple product, but an interesting step in terms of allowing more frictionless interaction between the traditional financial system and the on-chain one. And isn't that what really what it's all been about for the decentralized ecosystem is kind of disintermediating these uh, sort of uh, financial system steps so that we can see less fees, code-driven uh, processes rather than uh, centralized uh, entity-driven processes, right? So this is just, I think, driving some more of that utility that basic blockchain services provide down to that fundamental like TradFi player. Yep, yep. And yeah, I think we've seen a lot of people knocking out small serviceable parts of the market where you they they see a snag and then they build a simple product to deal with a snag i'm i'm thinking of synthetics's infinex which they announced last last week i believe where mm. the, they're 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 trying to store the private key in the browser there's a lot of technicality there but the idea being that there's a snag in the ux and let's just tackle it so i think the the focus is also continually heading towards ux so that's what i got out of that development and we can move on to lens v2 which sam wrote but jeremy is yeah yeah fresh up on a little bit lens v2 the latest iteration of uh, the social graph from ave uh, announced july 15th it's uh, basically been in, upgraded with external protocols, apps enabling two-way interaction between any application and lens. It's kind of a big deal. They, they're doing it with an open app actions feature, which is basically allowing developers to execute smart contracts from within lens. And this allows them to mint NFTs, trade ERC-20 tokens, and enable cross-chain interactions, which is pretty huge. Uh, interoperability protocols are a good thing for the ecosystem, I think. Uh, the entire Lens V2 code base was rewritten and optimized for readability and open source con contributions. So this is giving more flexibility to developers. And Lens is, you know, again, it's an Ethereum-based social graph. It's aimed at decentralizing media, allowing people to utilize a Web3 native ecosystem. And uh, we've seen a lot of fracturing in some of the social media empires that have come up and are sort of teetering in their towers. So uh, Lens is out there competing with them and trying to build infrastructure that can compete. Um, uh, another thing that Lens introduced was um, composability between ERC-6551 NFT standard, which gives their own social relationships, voice and monetization opportunities behind their NFTs. And um, so, so Lens is pretty much uh, seeing this upgrade. I, I think that it's pretty important. In terms of... Uh, in the, what Lens could bring to the table, they've got pretty much the, the world is their oyster, uh, especially when you see like Elon Musk and, uh, and Mark Zuckerberg talking about fisticuffs and stuff, but their protocols are actually like having a lot of errors with them or struggling to maintain a user base or in the case of Meta, struggling to have this existential reality come in here where like it's actually something. Uh, so, so I'm looking forward to seeing what Lens can do. 
Yeah, it will be. It will be interesting. Uh, everyone was talking about threads last week, and I'm, I'm not sure what happened to threads, but uh, I don't think people are talking about it this week. So we'll yeah. see. So, some color. Go ahead. One, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. I was saying they might have lost the thread on that one. Oh, nice. Nice. Zing, zing. Um, some color on Lens. I, I don't know. I, I met with Stanny briefly, Stani to some, uh, who developed the Ave protocol and also I think is, uh, I mean, I don't know if he's technically the CEO, but he was, uh, but he's involved heavily in Lens and he was decked out in Lens gear in uh, SF. So I think he's, living and breathing lens at this point. So we have a, a, a strong leader in that category. It was, it was nice to see. Um, so anyways, just some color. And okay, so now we can move on to uh, Polygon and they are continuing. They're kind of doing a month long release of, I would say, I mean, they're basically revamping this whole idea of Polygon 2.0. And so last week, the big news was that the Polygon token, uh, which ticker POL, they're converting all Matic to POL and they're presenting it as a quote unquote hyperproductive token, which is going to be used to validate potentially a bunch of different chains instead of just one. And the, the Polygon is also venturing on this kind of multi, multi-chain, multi-L2 future um, or roadmap, which they're working on. And so this week we saw a revamped plan for governance. And I didn't write this story, but I, I, I think they're, they're, they're working on revamping what they're doing, changing how you manage the treasury. It's all up to the community. So we'll have to see where this goes, but that's their plan. Obviously, as we've seen, the L2 ecosystem continues to heat up. L2 transactions are much higher than Ethereum mainnet ones at this point on a, on the whole, and we're constantly getting new L2s all the time. I think we're going to, it almost feels like we're hitting a saturation point where there is where we're seeing people launch and you don't quite know what the purpose is and you don't quite know what the throughput is. And it's always easy to revert to infrastructure when you don't have users. And so I, I tend to think the more serious builders are ones working on the user experience at this point, but they're they're The L2s are coming fast and heavy at this point. So we'll see how Polygon develops as they build it out, then they certainly have a strong business development team as anyone in the space knows. So we'll see where they go from there. I tend to agree with you too, in terms of like usability and then capturing the user base by, by creating something that like they can use. <laughs> like UX yeah. is where the next revolution of blockchain uh, lies. Uh, yeah. That's just my personal opinion. Uh, yeah. No, no, but it's true. I mean, crypto has been around for a really long time. I mean, uh, arguably, in, in in a sense, and if it's gonna, if it's going to serve some of the promise that people have espoused over the years, I think this is the cycle where you need real people, real normal people who don't care about blockchains or decentralization using these apps. I think it it has to happen soon. Otherwise, I think crypto is going to be in a pretty rough place. Well, in terms of adding functionality to crypto, uh, MetaMask Snaps is a much spoken of uh, uh, platform coming to MetaMask. Uh, 
probably this year. And uh, what it will do, and by the way, this is kind of an interesting thing here. What it will do is allow MetaMask to take custody of other protocols like Bitcoin. It will also allow developers to process APIs within the application, run applications within the application, so they can build these individual snaps, as they're called, to serve specific purposes. Now, if you're a user, you might stack together different snaps to get different like functionality out of the MetaMask platform or application. So for instance, say you wanted to have some privacy. Well, there might be a ZK Snark snap that you can roll up into your uh, MetaMask program and there you can obfuscate your identity from the protocols you interact with. Or say you want to analyze what is going on with a transaction before you commit to it. Well, they have a snap for that too that can run a simulation, find out what that transaction is going to do, and then give you a human readable output from the transaction data, which generally speaking, if you go into a MetaMask transaction and look at the transaction data, it's not decipherable to the common user. So this takes that indecipherable data and turns it into something that you can tell what's going to happen. This will avoid you getting rugged or perhaps signing a contract that will send all of your U.S. dollar coin to someone you want to. Uh, it can also track OFAC sanctioned addresses or any malicious blockchain addresses known in registries and things like that. The API integration allows developers to do some interesting things including integrate AI directly within the MetaMask um, you know, extension so that they can do a ton of different things. We're going to see this roll out later this year. And Consensus uh, and MetaMask are, are sponsoring this with some grants to partially fund developer uh, developers to kind of incentivize the growth of this ecosystem. And while they're not actually creating any one particular index, they did give, I think, a $60,000 grant to an organization that's creating an index that just basically has a list of all the different snaps that you can get out there. It's an independent organization doing this, so there's no favoritism or anything like that. They have a fairly open uh, means for you to get in. You can, you know, submit your snap to the org you can audit it and uh and in many cases there are some requests for rep proposals for uh, specific snaps so you can get funding uh there are some hackathons that have been going on this has been introduced i think in 2020 originally so it's been kind of going through the rounds but they are getting ready to bring it to fruition this year and i think that it's kind of huge considering the fact that now we're talking about interoperability and, and MetaMask, perhaps one of the most widely used uh, Ethereum wallets from Consensus, is now taking on the capacity to custody Bitcoin. Uh, kind of a big deal. So, sorry, because I remember hearing about, I saw a MetaMask presentation about snaps maybe a year or two ago, or a year ago at Bitcoin Miami. Um, yeah. So, so the, the high level is what that people can put in these pieces of a program into into the wallet to to kind of build out a, a kind of a more expressive experience than just sending transactions approving transactions think of it like plugins yeah so okay. if you want a plugin that helps you analyze the transaction you roll it up. If you want a plugin that helps you run AI before you do a bunch of perhaps hedge trading or something. Interesting. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and they have ones that can do security too for an analysis or purposes or privacy. So, so hmm. as they add functionality to yeah, yeah. 
you know, developers are going to have more tools at their disposal to be able to create more dynamic snaps. And then users can stack them in a modular way to fit their needs. You know, not every user is looking to do the analysis and not every user is looking to do AI and not every user is looking to be, you know, uh, operate in privacy. So there are various use cases that that will dictate the use of snaps, I believe. Sweet. Yeah, uh, that will be it will be interesting to see. Yeah, I think the wallets, like, you know, wallets are kind of going to ooze into identity solutions. And it will be interesting to see how those play together. You know, you, you might have your, I mean, I, I love what uh, the disco people are doing and trying to establish other non-financial credentials on chain, like age or something. I, I think yeah. that's going to be be interesting so i don't know if you, you know having customized processes around your transactions having more of a customized identity all linked to your wallet which i don't even know if we'll call a wallet um yeah it will be an interesting future i think i think i think the notion of a smart wallet is starting mm -hmm. to manifest you know where where a lot of these processes that were manual before are starting to be automated and then turned into ux features and that's exciting yeah, it totally. kind of plays into what we were talking about. It needs to happen for the masses to. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. No, I think, I think, I think. Yeah, again, I'll say it. You know, I think UX is where it's at at this point. So moving on, uh, I'm working on a story about the Ripple ruling, which hit last week, where the judge said, I think it was three of the four ways in which Ripple was distributed did not constitute an investment contract and therefore a security. So I've talked to a couple of lawyers on Friday, talked to Andy Bromberg, who founded CoinList, which facilitated the Solana token sales, uh, Filecoin. And I have also talked to, who's the last person I talked to? Um, anyways, um, oh yes, I talked to Miller, of course, of the DeFi Education Fund. Um, who is who tipped me off to a major markup period next Wednesday for the big bills in Congress, which are the McHenry Thompson bill, the final draft of which dropped yesterday. So that's going to be marked up where everyone in the uh, Agricultural Committee and the Financial Services Committee in the House are going to discuss the bill, potentially amend it before it they vote on it and then it may enter the house. And that's a massive bill, which provides comprehensive, uh, a comprehensive framework by which to regulate digital assets. Also the stablecoin bill will also be marked up on Wednesday, I believe, according to Miller. So that's happening. It will be very big on the legislative front. Miller called it their Super Bowl. Um, it's going to be like 12 hours. And mm -hmm. So yes, and, and everyone is wondering what, what does the ruling mean? What does the, the judge's ruling mean? And how does that change the conversation around legislation? And it seems like Miller's takeaway, which I thought was very smart, was that the judge's ruling makes it seem like, because the SEC has been pushing like, oh, don't do anything for, for a long time. If you don't do anything, the laws are fine. You know, we, we've heard Gary Gensler say everything is established already. But now we're looking at a judge using the existing laws and they're getting weird results where the SEC actually didn't succeed based on their allegations. So what Miller said was that now the judge's ruling has changed 
the tenor of the conversation to be like, okay, if you do nothing, actually the SEC doesn't get what they want. If you do nothing, we'll kind of continue with this gray area. Whereas Gensler has said the laws are clear, but the judge, an objective third party, supposedly didn't get very clear results. So I think that's just, it's just very interesting and a, and a great headwind for people who are long digital assets or supportive of what they'll do for the world. It, it's a great headwind going into the discussion next week. And you saw the people proposing the major digital asset bill. They took the moment to give out a statement saying basically what I said, that the digital asset market needs clarity and that's what they're gunning for with their new piece of legislation, which will be discussed in depth on Wednesday. So exciting news. I think it, it was kind of lucky for McHenry Thompson and the people backing that bill that they had happened, that this ripple ruling happened right before that, because uh, it's going to definitely provide fuel for the fire going into next week. So very, very interesting stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's the big, uh, I don't know, that's the big regulatory news. It'll be fun to watch. Uh, you know, I don't know if I can do 12 hours of uh, markups, but it will be, I, I mean, you know, the regulation has been such a saga. It's, it's uh, and sometimes I just feel like I wake up and then something new has happened. So it's nice to be a little ahead on something and we'll see what's happening on Wednesday. I'm sure we'll write a story when that time comes. And for so long, we've been kind of wading through these murky waters in terms of these regulatory actions and, uh, you know, threats from the SEC on you know, organizations and entities working in this space. Clarity is absolutely chief and paramount amongst what we want. Gensler says we have it. The judges says we don't. So. Yep. yep. Yeah, it'll be interesting. And, and something else Bill Hughes, who's a lawyer at Consensus, did point out, which I thought was interesting, is that that the SEC has kind of said in public that it seems like they're trying to make the security it's or the token itself a security. They're, they're making that argument and that's been subject of a lot of debate, but actually in their allegations about ripple, it was not, they did not actually allege that XRP was a security. They actually, they alleged that these different ways of distributing, distributing the token was a security so there's so he pointed out which i thought was interesting too is that there's a disconnect between kind of the, the the conversation that i feel like people have about the sec in public and then their actually lawsuit in ripple didn't touch on whether xrp itself was a security which is a huge debate that we're having about what, what these tokens actually are so sure. we'll we'll see how all this progresses but definitely fascinating um yeah moving on what do we got next? Uh, Open C? Let's do it. Yeah, I mean, maybe closed C would be how you might. If you were uh, a member of the EtherFi team, EtherFi, a company that released their EtherFan NFT collection, a staking liquid. Uh, <laughs> it was a it was a liquid staking NFT, basically. So you stake some Ether, you mint this NFT. The NFT's base value will always be worth the Ether that is staked behind it. They had been talking to OpenSea, apparently, for some time prior to the launch of this collection with some enthusiasm from OpenSea. There was talks of a cross-coordinated uh, cross uh, marketing effort. They were going to uh, utilize that. It hinged kind of their plan to launch this hinged on that, on that marketing effort, according to... Uh, 
members of the EtherFi team that I spoke with. Now, EtherFi went and wrote an open letter to OpenSea after OpenSea unceremoniously dropped trading support for their collection after telling them they were all gung-ho about it. Uh, this kind of blindsided the EtherFi people, and they said, you know, this isn't cool. Why did you do this to us? They went ahead and launched on, by the way, on, on Rarible. You can go check it out there, by the way. Um, OpenSea has said that in the wake of this whole situation, they're calling this a securities offering. They said that we won't allow anyone who uses our platform to engage in any kind of securities offering. I, I reached out to OpenSea to get more of a comment on. I got kind of a boilerplate thing back from them saying, like, we can't comment on individual actions we take against other people's accounts. But anyone who may violate our terms of service is subject to account uh, you know, actions, which may include um, closure of your account. Um, now, OpenSea itself, this stance is kind of, from the perspective of EtherFi, not very crypto-native. Uh, in fact, they have taken such an aggressive stance that EtherFi is arguing not even the SEC has taken this stance. Um, so it's something to, to be said when you've got this you know, crypto platform that supposedly is festooned in the place to provide opportunities for people to trade their digital assets, but now stands in the way of the sale of those digital assets under the perhaps maybe improper legal assumptions that there may be risk associated with it. And, you know, EtherFi's team went up so far as to say, um, you know, I spoke to, spoke to, what was his name? Mr. Mike Silgadze. And he said that when you have a larger team, uh, they get to a, to a point where risk management kind of stands in the way of perhaps the ethos of what the company was founded on. And so, that is kind of what has manifested there. Now, it remains to be seen if OpenSea is going to uh, continue their stance on this or is perhaps waiting for some regulatory clarity before they want to move ahead and really fall down hard and say staked ETH is a security. But again, there is yet to be any regulatory precedent for this in the northern area of like Canada. We've seen regulators in Canada have pretty expressly said cryptocurrencies do not constitute securities and they're taxing them. So uh, I I would hope that um, that OpenSea finds some clarity in terms of this point and, and makes it clear, you know, to people who are out in the ecosystem on what the idea is here behind what staked ETH is. I don't think OpenSea is in a space to be creating any regulatory precedent. I think really what's happening here is OpenSea is trying to avoid, uh, trying to, to avoid, uh, any type of scrutiny from agencies that might be punitive towards them. In terms of, uh, of in the past, I mean, OpenSea has already been on the radar of regulators. If you remember, there was an insider trading issue that they had uh, not long ago. I think it was. Uh, and if you think about, you know, stake teeth in general, this is a hot button issue. Like it's, it's a topic of current, you know, it's a definitely it's a current zeitgeist, right? So yeah, 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 um, yeah. yeah. No, it's it, it's it's interesting. I mean, obviously they're they're making a judgment call there, which is not fundamentally a permissionless. You know, it's not indicative of a permissionless system. So yeah, yeah it will be interesting. I mean, OpenSea has never been. I don't know. They they I don't quite understand how they use signatures to make the. Um, to kind of make how their how their platform works deeply, but I understand you know they use signatures, so a lot of the stuff happens off chain too. So they mm -hmm. they operate more like a 
a traditional company does, which, which is maybe fine. Um, but yeah, they're definitely making a judgment call here, which is interesting and maybe bending the knee a bit. I believe in the Coinbase lawsuit with the SEC, the SEC alleged that I'm, I, I can't, I can't distill the technicalities, but that staked, I mean, we, we've seen a lot of staked products. Uh, the SEC, I mean, you know, Kraken forced, or uh, the SEC forced Kraken to take down their staking products. So obviously staking is, like you yeah, said, it's, a very hot button issue. Yeah, yeah. it's and, and while the SEC has not come out and been very clear about it, they have still been very uh, ready to hit people with that hammer, right? <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Yeah, so interesting. We'll have to see where that goes. And coming up on the end of the half hour, and we're just keeping it to a half hour, guys, but... We also saw Uniswap release a DEX aggregator this week, which was pretty interesting move and feels like ages ago that that happened. But um, yes, it's interesting to see Uniswap kind of try to move to the the meta layer a bit. And it's, it's using this system of, I'm not sure if they called them provers or that's what CowSwap does, but basically that they're offloading, getting figuring out how to make a trade cheap to third parties, which is what CowSwap has been doing for a while. And they, you know, you know, they had some issues saying that their, their design is, you know, was first and that, you know, it's, it's funny to see Uniswap kind of head their way and Uniswap did, they did nod to CowSwap in the white paper they dropped on their new offering, but definitely interesting to see the, aggregator model take hold i think will warren who is the founder of the zero x protocol or 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 project um also kind of noted that that everything is heading towards towards aggregation and you so which which again i think continues this this trend of abstraction that we're seeing where you know you'll get this portal that is uniswap and uniswap even has a wallet and then under the hood, all this stuff that crypto diehards know about, you know, all the layer twos, all the different exchanges, all that is going to happen under the hood and an aggregator can just handle it. And all these people are going to be competing underneath to try to find good prices, taking a cut. But the user experience might get pretty slick because they might not know what SushiSwap is and they won't even know what, they won't even know what exchange they're, their trade was routed through. If, if not multiple exchanges, they won't know what chain your exchange was routed, uh, your trade was routed through. So again, very interesting to kind of watch this abstraction happen in real time and we'll, we'll see mm. where it goes, but yeah. Well, nice. you know, they say imitation is the greatest form of flattery. So they do say that. I think yeah. Uniswap just maybe cut a little shank off that cow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they said they took from a lot of different people uh, in, in their in their article and I mean, or in their white paper. And that is what we get when we get open source. Right. I mean, people are very free to to copy each other's ideas. So all's fair in love and war, I suppose. But uh, that's it from there. We got a ZK Sync came in with upgrade as well. Yes, that's right. Uh, as a matter of fact, ZK Sync's upgrade from Matter Labs uh, team behind uh, ZK Sync era it's uh went live on the 17th it's called i'm gonna i'm gonna say it wrong I was practicing this <laughs> boojum boojum 
Bojum. I don't envy you. It's a Stark-based proving system that reduces the computational requirements for provers by something like 80%, and it leads to lower transaction fees, enabling a greater amount of decentralization in the system. This new GPU-based prover system in Bujum only requires 16 gigabytes of RAM. It paves the way for a massive prover decentralization, making transactions much cheaper to verify. Uh, the previous Snark-based proving system required a high-end software, at least 80 gigabytes of RAM, and it, you know, it was a hurdle for individuals to get that hardware going. Um, I think since its launch in March, there's been a total of 580 million value locked uh, and it's one of the highest activity amongst uh, layer two networks in the last 30 days with 24 million transactions. So this is a pretty big, uh, big network, big deal. The transition from snark to stark based proofs in Bujum resulted in a dramatic improvement in performance. So as, uh, as, as networks are looking at efficiency and performance scalability, this is kind of a big deal. And reducing the friction for individuals to go ahead and spin up and verify is a great thing. So I'm happy to see that they've reduced some of those uh, software and hardware requirements, or hardware requirements specifically. Right on. Yeah, definitely interesting to see ZK Sync on the move. We'll see how they do if and when an airdrop happens. We'll see what happens to the transactions. But... For now, people are very happy to use the network, probably in hopes of getting a massive airdrop. So we'll see. And where you know, goes. You know, the longer they forestall the efforts of that airdrop, the greater the speculation will be, and the more organic the growth of the network will be. So, if they are able to balance that properly and have an organic growth that comes at the right pace, an airdrop won't actually harm the network. Uh, so hopefully they can balance that properly as they roll out more upgrades, what, and additional functionality, right? What, what, what do you mean organic? Like, I mean, I already feel like, you know, it's like what, 500, uh, $500 or 500 million of uh, value on their, their platform. I mean, I don't think that's organic to be honest. I think that's about, okay. Okay. That's, fair, fair, fair. But I, I mean, I mean, in the sense that like, if they have the airdrop go out in a way that creates the creates the situation where people are just going to dump the coin you know and and sure and sure yeah it's it's not going to work out so so when i say organically i mean like continue to build interest in a way where people are using the network for Fair. its use rather than trying to farm a token on it so yeah. so that would be organic use rather than like somebody spamming transactions like for instance can i make an allegory to the nft situation with blur Sure, sure. My yeah, man. So I wouldn't Go call blur farming organic. Right, right, right. So, so that's that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I got you. Yeah, and and, and optimism has and Arbitrum have done okay since their airdrops. So there's no reason to think that zk sync, were they to do one, would also do the same. So we'll have to see. Certainly. Right on. All right, guys. Or, go, go ahead. Go ahead. I said I was just going to say I think that uh, sums up. Everything we had to talk about. Right, right, right. Everything in crypto. You didn't miss anything. Not a single thing happened except the things we talked about. So you're all caught up, everyone. Let's cut it. Mm -hmm.